Hey, what's up, everybody? So in this next episode, we're going to be talking about the last uh, fight, Rising 37, that uh, Tsudario uh, Siyoshi fought in. Uh, good victory. We'll talk about it. Uh, check it out. Right on. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Yamato Damashi podcast. Ensign, how's it going, man? How are you? Good, man. I had the rising fights this weekend. Uh, it was Isn't nice. We got it. We, uh, you know, we got Tsuyoshi got his his final comeback fight since nine months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of excited about that. And I guess, yeah. uh, well, I didn't really, you know, how you when you're in the arena from 11 in the morning for the doctor's check and everything, it's like, when his fight was over, it was like already like five o'clock. We're like, oh, I'm out of here. So we left right after his fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't blame you. But I mean, that's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. We're going to run through that whole day, that whole fight, and what was leading up to it as well. So I guess I kind of wanted to start it with one of the things that I noticed that a lot of people talking about online was actually Sidario's shape. A lot of people were really impressed with the shape that he was in physically. Um, it looked to me, it looked like the best shape he's been as, in as well, just in terms of his actual build. Is, is that something he's focused on a lot? Yeah, well, he's been doing a consistent on weight training also. So he's doing a lot of weight training. We've been doing uh, the circuit training before his fight. So he's been doing a lot of circuit training. That's like a full body workout in one day. And um, yeah, and then he's... Um, we're doing a lot of uh, real good grappling rounds. We got big boys uh, from some of the security companies that we're in touch with, and they're some of them are ex judo guys, some are ex like amateur fighters. So it doesn't they, they don't need to be that good because if they're big, they we do like a we call it a bull ring, where right. she stays in and these guys all jump in. So he gets some awesome workouts. So you know the change in the body is is definitely from you know proof of hard work. Yeah, definitely. It's crazy to see, like, you know, if you go back and look at the pictures of him when he was in sumo to, like, how he looks now, it's just night and day, right? So it's crazy. Yeah, you know, that they takes a lot of discipline, so you got to give him credit mm -hmm. for that. You know, like, for example, someone that, you know, his brother actually retired and is in the fight scene now, but is nowhere yeah. near the shape that Tsuyoshi's in. So That's the, right. this, the discipline that Tsuyoshi puts into his, uh, his training and, you know, I guess his... You know, you can see he's still always, he still has a little belly, and I think we'll always have it because he loves his sweets, yeah. Right. So as much as he say he's like he's on a strict diet, he's I I, I mean oh, you're, he's I'm on a strict diet, a strict diet. We go to a steak place to eat, and he orders a, a chocolate parfait at the end. And it's like oh, strict except for the chocolate parfaits, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> so I think he'll always have that little belly unless he uh, really uh, decides to you know get real strict on himself but yeah, he's doing good i mean i think the changes are very uh significant changes yeah and i think definitely. it's at a good pace for considering that you know he's uh he's just just um started the transformation so pretty good yeah no it was really impressive definitely um something you just touched on i wanted to ask you about it definitely it seemed like you guys had a real sort of training uh a lot, lot more bigger guys to train with leading into the fight. Yeah. Um, the new um, 
uh, the new gym that we're working at. They, they call it, I think they call it high rollers. Mm. These guys are like um, taking care of a lot of, uh, you know, when Shoshi was out for nine months, they were taking care of a lot of his bills for him. You know, giving him like a, a monthly salary. Um, they have me teaching their classes there. I get paid really well to teach a class. So they're really taking care of the whole situation with, you know, me, Siyoshi, and Sarah. Sarah's doing her weight training there with that big monster guy. Nice. So, you know, it's a, it's a real good setup. And these guys are really into, you know, helping out. You know, it's because a lot of these uh, sparring guys are not really guys that really want to fight. Mm. They're guys that used to be ex-fighters or they're used just judo guys. And they're coming in to train. Getting a you know I I teach a class that I teach a class Poku Kotetsu teaches a class, and so they're back in training and uh, before Siyoshi's fights we uh, you know at the end of the training we boring Siyoshi so these guys are um, they're they're awesome guys because they're it's not I mean although you're the one just jumping in fresh and Siyoshi's the guy staying in the middle. You got to figure, man, it's still hard work because we're just hitting them and stuff. So these guys are really making a big sacrifice, and we really appreciate what they're doing. You know? So I actually offered to make bracelets for all these guys that are um, making that sacrifice, and they're all excited. So they're, they're getting me their, their sizes and, you know, the types they want. So when I get back in September, I'll probably be making about probably 10 to 15 bracelets. There's a bunch of guys that's helping out, so just yeah. out of appreciation. That's awesome, man. There's a lot of talk online, right, about the Japanese MMA heavyweight scene starting to have a bit of a revitalization, right? With, uh, you know, names kind of coming in. And I think there's quite a bit of way to go there, but it's it's exciting to hear that even if these guys, some of them aren't pro fighters, it's still quite cool to see, you know, some of the bigger guys get involved. Well, I don't know if it's about the MMA heavyweight scene in Japan because half the guys are pretty much over the hill and pretty much about to retire you know, who do they have? They have um, Sakai, who's a journeyman. They have Shrek and Chibisai that are kind of on the way out of the, you know, of their career. You have Shoshi's brother, which is so green. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, you have Ishii, which is, he's still also, he's really good, but he's actually on the later latter half of his career. So if anything, I'm thinking that the big, the big uh, excitement about the heavyweights in Japan is just actually finally having a legit heavyweight in Japan that actually might be able to, in the future, do some damage on, in the world scene. Because yeah. think about it. There's never been a heavyweight fighter that's been in that, you know, in that uh, stance of threatening the world. You know, like, who do you have? Sakuraba, he wasn't a heavyweight. Mm-hmm. You know, all these guys that are like, um, you know, Japanese stars, Shoji Matsui, um, Shungo Oyama, all these guys were, were just guys fighting in the, you know, the, our old school days where it was an unlimited weight class. But as far as a legit heavyweight, you know, they had what, Akebono. Nah, he, mm. he just stayed, he had a sumo body trying to fight. Who else did you have? Uh, Kitao fought in the UFC, but just still, you know, all these guys that fought before Tsuyoshi, a lot of them were sumo guys. And, you know, they're at the end of their sumo career. After they retired from sumo, they came to fighting. Tsuyoshi's mm. the only guy that actually got oh, well got fired from sumo in his prime and moved to fighting in his prime yeah so mm-hmm. i don't know i i'm i was just having a discussion about someone you know about this with someone and we kind of figured out that wow so she's actually the first ever legit 
Japanese national guy that can actually touch and um, can actually fight in the heavyweights in MMA. You know, you got guy. You had guys like Musashi or Satake that fought in the K1, mm-hmm. but as far as like MMA, there there's no Japanese guys. There's, you know, you had Ogawa right? come out, you had Yoshida come out. You know, they're they're pretty okay, but they still weren't legit heavyweights. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yoshida especially wasn't. Yeah, it's small, right? Yeah, Ogawa was, but he was a pro wrestler trying to trying to see what he can do in the MMA scene, which, as we know by now, he didn't do well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, so you know, I think that's what the buzz is more—not the mm-hmm. fact that Japan has a lot of good heavyweights coming out, more that they actually have someone that actually might put a dent in the world scene. Which you know, shows you the way he's improving. Um, the future is really bright. Yeah, you know, you never yeah. know what's going to happen, but it looks good so far. Yeah, I mean, let, let's talk about that improvement, right? And let's talk about the fight. What two punches? <laughs> that was crazy. Yeah, you know, the funny thing about that is it's not really something that, you know, we worked on. He, I, I noticed that when he was hitting mitts with us, whenever someone came, we we, we, we kind of we kind of simulated Shrek coming with punches. He would step on the side and boom, pop a punch. But, you know, simulating it in, in mitts and simulating in the fight is two different things. So when, I, when he was starting to, he always did that repetition whether he was doing Southpaw or Orthodox. He still, every time the guy, we rushed in, he stepped on the side and boom, threw a punch. And I was saying, oh, that's a pretty good, that's a good way to counter. But um, is it going to be that easy to actually land it? And phew, we know what happened. Yeah, he landed that first punch he threw and followed up with a, a right to the face and, you know, good control, stopped the fight on his own. Yeah, it looked like it was right on the temple, right? Which sort of... Yeah, it kind of was in the back of the temple area. I think in the interview, in the after fight interview, the Ashtrak, what hit, what he got hit with, he he doesn't know, but he said he has pain. It was on on the on the right side. He has pain mm-hmm. behind his ear, so he's suspecting that he got hit behind there. So I think it was a little bit of uh, the placement by the temple was really good because it kind of rattled him. And I think it's because he was running forward. It kind of like almost like followed through it, pushing almost like. A little bit of a, a help shoved by the on the punch in the head to the help him get get to the mat faster, hmm. and you know Shoshi was a little bit you know he was on it enough that he caught him with that right hook before he actually came to his senses. So, I mean, one punch knockout, two punches to finish it, but that one punch pretty much um, yeah. told story. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I noticed a lot of people. Uh, we're sort of on the edge of their seat when when on Shrek went down, whether Shari was going to keep playing him. But he was very respectful, right? He completely like held off, and uh, you know, I think a lot of people were happy with that, considering what happened in the previous fights. And so, yeah, he said that he saw his eyes rolled back. Yeah, mm. so um, no good and bad. They're good because uh, he showed a lot of control. And of course, from his last fight, it showed a, you know, a little bit of like a, maybe like a learning process. Bad because um, it's not your job to decide what when the fight ends. The referee is, and if the referee doesn't pull it off, pull them off. You should continue striking. I didn't say anything to him because he's not my type of fighter. He's more of a sportsman. So, as a sportsman, he did a good job. If he was my type of fighter, I would have been on him saying, "Hey." You don't, you don't, you don't do the work for the referee. 
you hit until you're pulled off. Yeah. You know, so, you know, because, you know, Shrek could have his eyes rolled back and Shoshi hesitates on the, on the, on the strike. He recovers and grabs uh, Shoshi's legs and the fight goes on, you know. It's true, right? So, Especially with you know, those, are, those kind of things. I've seen it happen before. Yeah. Especially so with Shrek Brown game as well. Yeah, for me it was a big. Uh, I've seen it in in fights, but it actually happened to me in the Musaf Abdul fight, mm. where I hit him and he dropped, and then um, I saw him tapping, and I kind of walked off, and the ref kind of was like, "Okay, give him a standing eight count and let him continue." But I said he's freaking tapped, but the referee apparently didn't see the tap, you know. So yeah, maybe I shouldn't have walked away from that. Yeah, I learned that I shouldn't walk away. I, I, I shouldn't make the decision for the referee. The referee has to make the decision and stop me. My job is only one and only, and is to finish the opponent. So, you know, in a way, you know, what happened was you, there's a lot of praise that can go into it. You know, old school, old school style, man. It's like, um, no, you gotta, you gotta let the breath pull you off. New school style, being a sportsman, having control. So I think he's more new school. He's a new school fighter fighting in the new school. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't say anything about it. I think he, he did the right thing in this situation on how it is today and what type of fighter he is. He's not yeah. there to kill the opponent. He's there to just beat the opponent. And he saw him that he was beat. Makes sense. Makes sense. So how did you guys celebrate the win? Oh, we went home and uh, I I I. I we got in our car. He got in his car. I said goodbye, and that's how we celebrated. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, the so, are like meals and stuff, right? Well, so, you know what it was, man? It's just we were in there from the 11 o'clock. Hmm. His wife is at home waiting. I got the dogs uh, from 9 o'clock in the morning. The dogs are in the cage. Hmm. So he wants to get home. You know, he's tired. He wants to get home to his wife. I want to get home to let the dogs out. So that's how pretty much, you know, the fight's over. Congratulations, right on. Okay, see you later. And, well, there's talk right now that one of his big sponsors wants to uh, have a dinner. But uh, the thing, the bad thing is I leave on, today right now in Japan is Tuesday. Oh, today's Wednesday. Wednesday. And I leave on Friday. So tomorrow would be the only day. So they're, they're trying to, trying to um, they're trying to arrange a dinner. Like a mm -hmm. celebratory dinner to congratulate him, and he called me today, asked me if I could, if they have a dinner on Thursday, if we, if I will be able to come. I said, yeah, I can, but they haven't called me back to let me know, so I don't know if they actually could plan it or not. But ah, I mean, celebration is uh in that uh, happiness at the end of the fight in the ring for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Man, it was a hell of a performance. So I guess people are quite curious in the sense that what might be next for Siyoshi, especially given, you know, how quick that performance was, whether we could see him turn around quickly, maybe even on the, the Mikuru Mayweather card, potentially. Yeah, so um, right now there's uh, it hasn't been announced yet, but we're trying to get him on the Mayweather card. Of course, as you know, that'll be boxing rules. And uh, we're game to have him, you know, give a give it a shot at boxing rules. So there's a lot of talk. Um, it's still a, 
undecided yet, but there's like a talk right now, which is uh, probably 80%. They're going to have some type of tryouts in Hawaii at the end of this month. And they're going to be flying in some guys from Mayweather's camp, flying in some guys from Japan. We're trying to invite all the top fighters in Hawaii and have like a, like a little like a in-house practice session where we what rising wants to do is like they want to get some fighters on the roster from Hawaii and they want to uh, pick up fighters to fight in the September card and the Mikuta Floyd Mayweather card. So it's a matter of who can get matched up with who it's going to be almost like a team Floyd Mayweather against, you know, team rising. Nice. So, you know, we're hoping that, um, there's a heavyweight there for Shioshi. And we hear that there's a um, there's a guy that's uh, Floyd Mayweather's bodyguard, Gigi. He's a big boy. And apparently he wants to fight. So if uh, Mayweather's uh, going to allow it and he, he brings him down to Hawaii for the tryouts, then, you know, we might actually be able to match Shioshi up then that, that in, in end of August for a, a month later fighting that, you know, Mayweather's guy in a boxing match, so kind of exciting. Could be fun, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. You know, and um, if anything, that's the next plan. Yeah, trying to get him to fight in the uh, end of September, and hopefully, like some sometime in October, and then in the year end. So we're looking at him having at least another, you know, three fights before before the year, which is good wow. because when you're getting like fifty-two second fights. You need more ring time, yeah. No injuries yeah. on him at all. That's great. That is really good, considering the last nine months he spent out. So it's nice to see if you yeah. can bounce yeah. back. Nine some months. More fighting. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. So um, I was just gonna mention because it's something that I keep hearing um, Sudario say in like post fight interviews and that, that he's really keen on fighting international competition. And maybe with, with the Mayweather things aside. Uh, is he still eyeing up, you know, maybe competition outside of Ryzen, or do you think that? Yeah, he actually he actually threw out um, Fedor Elmenenko's name. Whoa, which is interesting because he was saying something about, you know, wants to pass, wants to um, you know, have the passing of the torch kind of thing. Wow. Well, one of the ex Pride fighters, one of the top fighters in Japan, on his way out of his career. He wants to fight him and have the, the passing of the torch kind of, you know. So he, um, he's he been expressing a lot of uh, desire to not fight Japanese anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, right now, I think he's in a good position to say that because the guy who he lost to just, you know, Shrek beat him up, Seems made sad, him right? quit, and he, he just beat that guy Shrek. So, in you know, I know it's not necessarily if, a beats C and B beats um, and C beats, you know, B beats C. It doesn't mean A is going to beat C again, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I fucking say that right? If A <laughs> beats B saying. and if A beats B and B beats C, doesn't mean A is going to beat C, you know. Yeah. So, you know, of course, you know, what the ideal is to have a rematch with Shibisai and uh, avenge that loss. But it's apparently Shibisai doesn't seem like he's interested in a fight with Tsuyoshi. So the next best thing is beating up, being able to dominate the guy who beat Shibisai, which he just did. So, you know, hopefully that, you know, 
there's there's actually no other Japanese fires. There's Ishi, yeah, Satoshi, which would be a would be a pretty hard fight for Siyoshi. But doesn't sound like um, Ishii's on the radar. Doesn't sound like he's uh, uh, talking to Rising at all. And he looks like he's doing more uh, K1 striking. Yes. Yeah. So maybe he's just doing uh, standing here right now. So, I mean, if anything, Ishii would be like the only guy that really would be an interesting fight for Tsuyoshi. Mm-hmm. in japan so in the, japanese so yeah so wow fedor that would be a huge fight for us yeah and you know um i think because you know fedor is kind of on his way out getting older she, you know shoshi's movement and everything might actually give him trouble you know mm-hmm. on the on the on the on the paper you know there's no way he can beat fedor so mm-hmm. i mean for me I, i'm i'm very uh I'm very interested in, and I'm, I'm very attracted to that type of fight where you're not supposed to win. You know, that's my whole, that was my whole career pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Like when you're not supposed to win, you got nothing to lose. You give a hundred percent. If you lose, you're supposed to lose. If you win, it's like a crazy, crazy event. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And Ryzen likes to do those sorts of matches, right? So, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whereas underdog versus, experienced veteran i think it'd be a cool fight i say i think though you know what i think i think fedor actually already did his last fight in japan right so i think if that does happen it would have to be in bellator where shoshi travels or we have to travel to america to to get that done so i don't know maybe a to america's in the in the books i don't know about i don't know how you feel about this but i think the last time Fedor was talking about his retirement fight. He did mention, obviously, Ryan Bader. I think that's, that, the, that was the fight he went to avenge um, that loss. But what uh, one of the things that he said was that he wanted to do it in Russia. So I don't oh. know. <laughs> so if you're open to travel. Not to Russia, not right now. Could be difficult. Could I don't think challenge. that... Yeah, I wonder what I wonder if people are even traveling to Russia. I gotta make sure I, I check all my bags, make sure there's no THC, there's nothing in there, man. Anything, anything questionary, I'm leaving home, man. Yeah, for sure. Right. So scary stuff, man. But yeah, well see what happens, we'll see, see how it plays out. Um I yeah. think even wasn't wasn't Saki Kabara talking about you know maybe one day doing a heavyweight tournament or something like that with international talent? So that's what he wants to do next year. I so you know as as nobody I mean I don't know if you guys know but Shoshi's uh, contract with Rising ends this year. So if they're gonna they want to run a um, heavyweight Grand Prix, Shoshi's a big name to have in there to make any interest in the Japanese crowd. So, um, you know. There's going to be another contract negotiation at the end of the year, and um, we'll see if uh, Shoshi gets a raise in uh, pay, or he goes somewhere else. You know, he's he's a, he'll be a free agent in, in December. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure a lot of matchmakers uh, have their eyes on him, especially after his last two performances, right? Big big knockouts, and that's what you want from a heavyweight yeah. fighter, right? So, mm-hmm. um, awesome. Well. I think that does it for this express edition of the podcast. Anything else you want to add yeah. in parting words? No, that's it, man. Um, 
He's, uh, you know, <clears throat> Shush has been doing a lot of training at the Extreme Couture. Mm. So, you know, hats off to Ray Sifu, Eric Nick, Nick Sick, and uh, Eddie Baracco. Oh, no, shit, there's a couple more coaches here. But, uh, yeah, they, they've the coaches there have been, like, super welcoming. Mm. Um, the All the fighters there, you know, Jim Johnson, you know, all these guys there just training with Siyoshi, helping them out. You know, it, it's, you know, a lot of this victory is a, due to a part of the Extreme Couture helping um, out with his training. So, you know, big shout out to them and thanks to them, man. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks everybody for watching. We'll be back next week and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Shoot. All right. Um, that was a fight uh, just a couple of days ago. Uh, make sure you um, keep cheering for Sushi to do well. Okay. Make sure you also like, subscribe, and share this YouTube channel.